So I'm Micah, and I get the privilege to help pastor down at the San Juan campus, where hopefully all of us will be one day. They are terrifically excited to see all of you there at some point, so hang on there. So we have been in the middle of this series, We Are the Church, and we are taking major portions of the church and focusing on them from week to week. So last, or two weeks ago, we looked at worship and how we are living lives to praise God. Last week, we looked at fellowship, or how believers live lives together, and this week we are looking at service, or how Christians who are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ serve others. And so this isn't just going to be a sermon where I speak and you guys sit there, so I need everyone to stand up. We're going to practice this for a second. So I need everyone to face to your left, put your hands on the shoulders of the person in front of you, and for five seconds you're giving them a back massage. Ready? Go. All right, stop. Now face the other way and give them a massage. Ready, go. Okay, we can stop. You may be seated. So we've practiced our act of service this morning. So how did it feel? Some of you guys were like, I can't wait. Let's go. Others were like, don't touch me. I don't want to touch you. Right? So we, we're talking about service, and this, and this throughout this whole series, we are looking at Acts chapter 2. So I need you to either get out your Bibles or grab the Bible in front of you. If you do not have a Bible, the Word of God at home, take that one with you. If you want a little nicer one, there are very nice leather-bound Bibles in the lost and found. You can go check it out afterwards. So... Anyway, so we're going to be primarily, I'm going to have you look up Acts chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and Ephesians chapter 2, so you can put your thumbs in that. But Acts chapter 2 describes the birth of the church. And it is an exciting time where things are going on that don't normally happen. We've never seen it ever since, and we probably never will until Christ comes back. And I don't want to tell you about it too much. I really want to read it. So let's look. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And here's what it says. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so what was going on? This was, again, an extraordinary time. And this was the start of the church 2,000 years ago that has since started or ignited the church that has touched billions of people since. And so, so many people in this time, in Acts chapter 2, were so pumped on what the Holy Spirit was doing, and through this community and their newfound life in Jesus Christ, that everyone saw it worth to give into, to pour their time, energy, their resources into it. The people were more important than the possessions. So what are they? They're just possessions. They're just things. And Acts chapter 2 describes a vivid picture of Christian worship, Christian fellowship, and Christian service. And I know the staff here at South Shores wants that same thing for here at South Shores Church. Um, so I, I know many of you have heard the words of Jesus where he says, I have not come to serve but to... Does it say be served? Wait a second... No, he came to serve, not to be served. And, but many of us do such a good job of flipping his words, where we come to be served and not to serve. 
Or maybe we're not looking for people to serve us. Maybe we're really living out the, you know, God helps those who helps themselves, which isn't biblical either, right? And so we're in this, and so we're talking about serving, yet we're swimming against the currents of our own culture. I don't know about you, but when I look around and I just observe people, I'm a people watcher, so when I observe people, I don't see a whole lot of people go out of their way to serve other people with their time, energy, and resources where they don't have personally something to gain. I mean, you can look up on the, the website of the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. They just came out with 2015 statistics, and it says that one out of every four people serve in some sort of volunteer organization, in any organization that serves or volunteers. And if you look at it, the statistics say that that number spikes if you have children under the age of 18. And it drops if you don't. So what is that saying? That's saying that if you want to give your kids experiences, if you want to teach them softball, swimming, soccer, whatever, of course you'll donate your time because you want to, you have that selfish ambition of teaching and giving your children experiences. But other than that, as a nation, we don't serve. We don't give of our time. And we can shrug it off and say, you know what, Acts chapter 2, that was Bible times. It's completely different now. We are so busy. I'm, I'm here to tell you that in Acts chapter 2, it was crazy to give of your possessions, to crazy to give of your time. Just as it is countercultural then, it's countercultural today. And so before we can really talk about how we serve or even what we do in terms of what we should serve or how we should serve, we really need to take time and focus on the why. Why do we serve? What is the primary reason why we would even think about service and the motivation behind it? So point number one, before anything else, our motivation is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, who before we, before we get to anything else, before we were ever born, we were served by Christ. He took our guilt and shame. He took our burden and enabled us to be free to live how we were originally created to, to be in union with God. And that frees us to serve, putting himself on that tree to take away our own burden. He freely gave to us. And Paul describes this in Philippians chapter 2. So do some Bible gymnastics, go a little deeper into the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. And here's what it says. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So we receive freely by the actions of our servant and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Christ took everything from us, setting us free to ultimately, again, be in that perfect union with God. So we have no more guilt, have no more shame. And so the last thing I want you to do is to leave here today and go, you know what? 
that guy that I've known, but I barely know, Micah, whatever his name is, all he said today was do, do, do. And if you get that, I'm sorry, that is not what we're saying here today. I want you to leave here going, no, it is done. It is done. And because it has been done, our response to that is an overwhelming, overflowing gratitude. So because it has been done, we can respond. And anything we do on our own merit carries as much weight as that back rub you just gave to each other. Nothing. It means nothing. And Isaiah talks about it as our righteousness and our deeds are worth what? Filthy rags. And we can't do anything to make the salvation that we are given through Christ any better, any greater, any more perfect. We also can't do anything to take away from it, to subtract from it. And you're not any closer to God if you, your occupation is working at a church or if you're a trash man. You're not any closer to God if you're a parent or you're a Bible study leader. Well, correction, if you're a mother, then you are closer to God. I think we can all agree. But other than that, no one is closer to God. And you are all seen as worthy through the blood and work of Christ. I mean, it's kind of like a famous painter. Think of Van Gogh. And the Starry Night painting, or maybe irises, which you can go see at the Getty Museum. He was a terrific painter. His paintings are worth millions of dollars. And looking at this group, I'd say we have the average artistic ability of probably a 12-year-old junior high girl. We have some professional artists here in, in this church, but we have some people that they can mess up stick figures, okay? So our average, we'll take the average, but none of us can add any value to that painting. None of us are good enough. None of us are Van Gogh. Even his mistakes are better than most of us can produce. And so our grace that we receive is much greater than a painting because you and I can mess up a painting. We can't make it better, but we can mess it up. We cannot mess up the grace that we have been given through Christ. And so out of the many beautiful things about the work of Jesus is that we can't mess it up. That's already perfect, it's already all-encompassing, and it cannot possibly get any better. Um, I've had the privilege of, while working here, lead several mission trips to different countries around the world and even participate on going on some of them. And you know what? I love mission trips because you get a group of people all with the same motivation to serve and proclaim Christ to other people in other countries... It is a magical thing. We all come back blessed, all pumped up on what the Spirit has done on our trip, and we can't wait to come home and tell all of you about it. Now, I've been on trips where all it takes is one person to have a different motivation, and it is a disaster. You name that motivation, be it they just want an experience, they just want to see the scenery, they just want to take a selfie, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it will fail them and they will be disappointed by that different motivation because that's not what we're going there to do. Um, and so, can we serve the body of Christ wrongly? Yes, is the answer. We can do the jobs around here that we need done, and we can be dead in the wrong. I had the opportunity to take a very spiritually mature man out to lunch one time, and he was telling me that when he started coming to our church, he got right into serving. And he said, you know, I'm very embarrassed actually to say this, but I did it because I really wanted people to like me. 
My whole motivation was to meet people and for people to like me. And it was wrong. And even through that experience, even through having that wrong motivation of serving, God still was able to work through him. And ultimately his motivation was aligned because of what Christ has done. So do we have the right motivations? We don't serve to win God's favor. God chose to favor us. And so our motivation is because he gave us everything. And so first, everything everything begins with the gospel. And that's why I want to start with that. I want you to leave here with that. So then secondarily, because Christ, you can fill in the blank. So every area and arena of your life needs to be seen through the lens. Because Christ accomplished his work, I do X, Y, Z. So in your work, every decision you make, because Christ died on the cross, I get to proclaim his name. In your family, because Christ, I get to teach my children or my grandchildren about him in the ways of the Bible. Because Christ, I decide to schedule my Friday night in a certain way. Because Christ, I decide to schedule my Sunday morning in a certain way. Because Christ, I choose to serve in some capacity. And so Christ released his grasp, his hold of his equality with God because he became a servant, having given up the greatness of heaven. So because of what Christ has done, we are enabled to participate. He allows us to come alongside and partner with him. And that service is a response, having that because Christ attitude is a response for what he has done. And so, now the question should be jumping out at you when we read Philippians. Verse 5 is, have what in mind? Verse 5 says, have this in mind for all of you that are in Christ Jesus. What is is this? So look back to verse 3. So Philippians 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So what is it saying? It's saying, so first, have this, which is, sorry here. So it's saying, first, we need to consider others more significant than ourselves, looking as them as significant, if not more than us, and look out for the interests of others. So it is saying, condensed down, it's talking about humble service. Have humble service in mind when you think about Christ on the cross. Because of Christ, serve each other humbly. Respond with humble service. So what Paul is telling the believers in Philippi is that while we're reviewing the gospel of Christ, we need to keep this in mind, that Christ humbly served us. He became the servant for us. So we need to look and serve. Because of what Christ says, we need to look and serve one another. So my question for you this morning is, do we? Do we humbly serve one another for God's glory and the benefit of the body of Christ? Many times I think we approach service like we approach watching the Olympics. I don't know about you, the Olympics are ending tonight. I love watching the Olympics. It has been on our, if the TV's been on, it's been on the Olympics the last two weeks. I love the idea of people giving their lives, training and taking the best in the world and having them compete and see who wins. 
there's just so much raw emotion in, in just in that you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I knew, uh, I admit, I have a problem, and I knew I hit rock bottom when I watched synchronized swimming for 30 minutes. <laughs> I, I'll admit it. But most of us probably watch like the gymnastics, right? I mean, we'll watch, and we haven't watched gymnastics for, let me count, four years. And within 10 seconds, we'll be like, oh man, they need to nail this triple bypass. Or, triple bypass isn't even a gymnastic move. That's a surgery. Okay? Oh no, that's a deduction. Her legs came apart on that. No. And we become experts in it and we show up for the main event. But do you know how often gymnasts participate in events and practice? All the time. It's not every four years. And every event within the Olympics is not an event every four years. There are worlds, there are championships happening all the time. But many of us can approach church and even service like, oh, there's one big service event. I'm going to do that. Or we'll come even to church every week and we'll just be like, "Uh, I'll I'll just show. I'm just going to watch from back here. That's okay. And we don't fully engage. We don't fully participate in what God is doing in and around here as your church. So it doesn't matter your position, your, your status, your age, your occupation, or your resources. We are all to have this mind among us of humble service or to be humble servants. And so Paul, he lays it out plainly in Ephesians 2. So that should be about two pages to the front of your Bible over from where you are in the Philippians. In Ephesians 2, this is what it says. For by, grace you have been, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't miss the natural progression. You've been given this gift of grace. And what does that move to? You've been given this grace. You have done nothing to deserve it. You cannot boast. But it's going to lead naturally to a response of good works. You're going to naturally go from receiving this gift of receiving to just doing out of gratitude because we, what we have received. And just my, like the Olympic athlete trains and competes, Christians are to live lives of service And then we also see that when you do serve, when you do live these lives of good works and they're naturally flowing you because of what Christ has done, you display Christ. You don't highlight you. You highlight who Christ is and what he has done because Christ is the ultimate servant. And then lastly, you participate in God's plan. He has planned, like it said, he has planned for good works for you in advance. It is up to you if you participate in it or not. Are you participating in God's plan? So there's a natural progression from grace that we have received to the display of Christ through the works that he has given for us to do that he has already planned beforehand. Are we participating? So you can ask, what do you mean by service? When you say, you know, you've used this word service or serving, what am I supposed to do? Well, I read an article this week that describes it so beautifully of what service is, and this is what it is. It's spending yourself. Service is spending yourself. It's spending your time, your energy, your resources, your gifts for the glory of God and the good of the church. And as a Christian, service 
is that anytime we use anything under our control for God's glory. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, where he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have to receive to receive you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And so through word or deed, through your resources, through your time, through your energy, we are called to serve God not for our glory, but ultimately for Christ's glory. So you have positioned in Christ as allowed us to participate in God's plan, but it the Holy Spirit, He has allowed us to participate in His plan, but He hasn't just left you hanging. Every one of you that are in God's family, in the body of Christ, has been given a unique spiritual gift. They're described all over the Bible. Then the Holy Spirit has given you these gifts, and it's not unintentional. It's very intentional. And they're not all the same. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where he says, Now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is of the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Holy Spirit has different gifts, different activities that He has given you that you do well that's different than the person sitting next to you. And we all have these. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4 where he talks about the different gifts and you are a body of Christ. We all can't be a hand. We all have different things to add and to round out the body of Christ. And what this realization does is it embraces where God has gifted you is different than others without being jealous of others. I mean, I can look at a Rick Warren or a Bill Bright or a Billy Graham and he hasn't gifted me. He probably hasn't gifted you in the same way, but he's still using all of us for his purpose. So, and then another point is your gift has been given to you for a purpose and not just for you to hold on to, but with intention with those pre-planned good works that he's already had, he's already laid out. And when you hold on to your gift and you don't realize it, a number of things happen. First, the church doesn't get to see you use your gift. Second, you don't even get, the opportunity is lost to praise God for you and the gift that he has given you. And lastly, you lose out on the blessing of seeing God work through you. So again, this returns me back to my question. How are you doing? How are you doing using the gift that God has specifically given you? Now, some of you might feel paralyzed. You go, I, you know, I don't even know what my gifting is. And I don't even know where I need to serve. Where, where, where there is a need of service. And we can be paralyzed by this not knowing. But, and, and, and also, some people even just have the gift of service just naturally, you know, the actual serving one another. I look at my own grandparents. I have Daddy Murr, who I think he was, he came out of the womb serving people. Um, when we would get together as a family, he would be the first one in the kitchen making sure everyone had everything. We would sit down to dinner and he'd be the first one up to do dishes and to clean up and to make sure everyone was service. I love Mama Coral and she has a lot of gifts, but dishes aren't one of them. 
That was not her gift, was to serve people. So many times, your gifting, you need to start somewhere, and you don't need to be wait. You don't need to wait to be asked. Because once you just start somewhere, it will become very evident very quickly to you and everyone around you where your gifted is. And here at church, we love to put people in positions to help you find your gifting. And you know what? It probably won't be in your area of gifting. We have put someone in charge of the PowerPoint who is partially blind. We put someone in charge of the sound who is partially deaf before. I'm not making this up. And on occasion, we sometimes have a subpar preacher. No offense. But this is all part about finding your unique gifting to the church. So don't wait to be asked. And like that shoulder rub, it probably will put you out of your comfort zone. It's, you know, we, don't like, we like our safe space, our, our personal space. And this place runs because we have volunteers to make it run. And we have numerous people who have stepped up and said, you know what, I want to glorify God and edify the church. I think of someone like a Kim Whitaker who has served faithfully for 15 years in our children's ministry. And every week she invents new ways to teach the Bible to little ones. Or I think of a Chuck Chuck Denso who has two grown kids and this year he felt called to teach sixth grade boys. Now talk about a calling. And he went to the youth pastor and he said, Hey Dana, I want to teach sixth grade boys. And guess how many sixth grade boys were in the youth group at that time? Zero. And so he showed up week in and week out saying, you know what? If God wants to have a group of sixth grade boys, he's going to put together a group of sixth grade boys. Right now, there is a small group of sixth grade boys led by Chuck. Or I think of a Michael Hewitt who he serves on a Sunday morning in the children's ministry and then he comes to our Sunday night service and helps with hospitality and then he also helps grow and lead a group of 7th grade boys in the junior high and then when we think we don't we you know he has every other excuse not to do something else he is a marine in the marine corps and we just go wow here at church there are too many people to name who have stepped up to the call and say yes I want to be a part of what Christ has done and to humbly serve God because of what he's done and and edify the church. And so, but there are two ways to respond incorrectly. And we've already talked about one of them. The first one being to serve with the wrong intentions. The second one is to not serve at all. To say, you know, I don't really want to spend my energy, my resources on someone else. It's inconvenient. It's, it's really, I don't want to leave this box or this bubble that I have for myself. It's out of my comfort zone. And you know what? When I read the Gospels and I read about Jesus, I, read, I think Jesus was anti-comfort zone. Every person he talked to, he was prodding to get them out of what they were focused on and to have them focus on the kingdom of heaven. He was pro-kingdom heaven, anti-comfort zone. And so that can't be an excuse for us. And so the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt help with the parking ministry. Thou shalt help with the children's ministry. Or you need to lead a growth group. But I'll tell you what, if you can push through that and step out of your comfort zone, it will be a tremendous blessing. That's not why you do it. 
But I know in my own life, I've led a small group or a growth group for probably four years. And on a Wednesday night, when I get home from church, the last thing I want to do is prepare a Bible study and have a bunch of people come over to my house. No offense. I love you guys. But I just, sometimes I just you know, need, need my own house to myself. And, and when I'm able to push through that and I teach the Bible study, I'm so much more tremendously blessed by what happened in our Bible study than if I had just had the night to myself. And so God uses how we step out in faith and step out of our comfort zone and without fail to do something to serve God and our fellow man. And so, you know what? God's blessing is far greater for you and for us than your blessing is for you. And it's very clear in Scripture. He wants us all to have this mind of humble service. And so I just want to tell you certain ways that we, here's how we think of serving here at South Shores Church. We think of it in three different categories. One, on Sunday morning, we have a lot of different areas we need help serving in. Two of them primarily is the parking ministry and the children's ministry. Um, thirdly, we want to get out into the community. We have a great ministry down in San Juan, when you guys are all going to be down there here soon, is we have a Feed the Need ministry, which we serve groceries, or we distribute groceries, to about 50 to 75 families a week. It is amazing. You almost can't help but wear, well up with tears every time you walk through it. Um, another way that we are hoping to, this is kind of a dream of our staff right now, is we want to have a serve day where we have 10 to 15 different projects here in the local community that all of you sign up and we give you the training to do. And all on one day, as one church, we work in our community in these 10 to 15 different projects. And so you can be praying for us that this comes together. Part of that is you have to develop the relationships with the city managers, with the school districts, and whatever organizations that you partner to do this. So if you have any of those relationships or partnerships, write it on the card and give it to me or give it to Pastor Ty or Pastor Rob, and we'll make sure that we can start developing those relationships. I actually got a card after last service. It was great. So that would be another way in which you could serve with us. Um, but if you do have a complaint, make sure to make it out to Pastor Ty. And if you have compliments, you can make it out to me. Anyway, uh, I'm just, just kidding. So before we go, before all else, we are, our motivation is solidly grounded in the gospel. And that because of that, we can't help but spend our lives living lives, glorifying God and building up the church. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Christ has done on the cross that we have victory over sin and death, assurance of salvation. Thank you that Christ is our servant and our Messiah. Lord, thank you for the church, even though we are flawed, we, we are not perfect, and yet you use us as partners to proclaim your name, to lift you up, to glorify you, help us to serve you with pure motivation and intentions. And Lord, I pray that as we get out into the community, we can continue to serve and and that will give us opportunities to, again, share your word, share your message with people that don't know you because they're so lost and blinded by their own sin. And so we just thank you for this time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.